You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. kingdom into a great reformation. It would be a time of prosperity. It would be a time of peace. But sadly, it would be short-lived. It would be the last grasp. It would be the last grasp of a nation. After years of idol worship, after years of forsaking the Lord God Jehovah, after years of committing spiritual adultery, the people of the kingdom of Judah were being led back into a right relationship with God. The kingdoms of men aren't built to last. Even a nation founded on largely Christian values is destined for ruin if their primary focus isn't serving God. As Pastor Dave looks at the last gasp of the nation of Israel under the leadership of Josiah, we'll be reminded of how the serious consequences of national sin can be. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 23 as he begins his message, The Last Gasp. Second Kings 23. Now, we've been studying now the demise of Judah. Judah is going downhill fast. And if I, I started last week's message by saying, the die is cast, what's done is done. Unfortunately, Judah will never recover from the sin that they have placed themselves in. They will never recover. However, tonight, we are going to look at one last gasp. One last gasp as the, 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 the kingdom once again tries to redeem itself, tries to go back following the Lord. And you know if you've been with me now on these last few weeks, I've been likening what has happened to Judah to what is happening in our beloved country. They're very, very similar, and it appears to me that we are on the same path. Whether we are down the road of no return, that's for the Lord to decide, not me. However, that's what I see. So as we get started here, let's begin with the word of prayer, because I need it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. What a wonderful time it is to gather again and worship and praise you with one accord. Now, Lord, we ask that you would settle our hearts that you would turn our hearts towards your word, Lord, that we would be able to grasp in your word what you're trying to say to us individually, what you're trying to say to us as a church, and what you're trying to say to our country. What are you trying to tell us, Lord? We want to know. We want to know what we can do, if anything, Father God. As we read your word, can we apply it to our lives? Can others still come in? I believe they can. So, Lord, help us now to glean from your word truth, to glean from your word hope, and know that we serve a mighty God, a wonderful, wonderful God who loved the world so much that you would not even spare your own son, but send him to be a sacrifice for us. Oh Lord, we can never, we thank you. 
But Lord, help us now to know that others need to come in here. We want others to know the truth of Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, we pray, as we now come to your word. Bless it, Lord, according to your purpose in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so after 55 years, the reign of Manasseh had finally come to an end. And sadly, his reign typified all the things that a king should not do. You could look at his reign and you go, well, I have a list here of all the things that I shouldn't do if I'm king. Or we shouldn't do even if we're a Christian. Why? Because Manasseh did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any other king before him and any king after him. He is deemed the worst king in all of Judah. In fact, many deem him the worst king between Judah and Israel. If you go back and look, you had Ahab and Jeroboam and those kings in Israel. They're saying that the Manasseh was worse than them all. His son, Ammon, was not a lot better. He continued what his father had started. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And as we studied last week, Josiah, Ammon's son, was now the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. But he did not follow in the footsteps of his father, Ammon, nor his grandfather, Manasseh. Because the scripture said he did right in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because he followed after his forefather, King David. He was the model that he came after. He was the one that he ascribed to be to. He was the one that he looked to for all his help. David, we know, had a great relationship with the Lord. And we see Josiah having a wonderful relationship with the Lord as well. He led the kingdom into a time of great revival. He led the kingdom into a great reformation. It would be a time of prosperity. It would be a time of peace. But sadly, it would be short-lived. It would be the last grasp. It would be the last grasp of a nation. After years of idol worship, after years of forsaking the Lord God Jehovah, after years of committing spiritual adultery, the people of the kingdom of Judah were being led back into a right relationship with God. They, they were being led by this king's reforms back into a right relationship with God. And his reforms would go deeper and further than any other reformer king before him, including the great Hezekiah. Josiah's reforms would clean the hearts of the people as they stood before God. This great reformation that Josiah started with, remember, it started with him cleaning the temple. He went in and he cleansed the temple from all the idols, from all the things that Manasseh had put there. And, and he cleansed it. And remember, we talked about we're the temple of God. And if we want revival to start, we need to clean our hearts. We need to cleanse ourselves. We need to get before God and say, search me, Lord. Is there any wicked way in me? We need to look deep within our soul and allow the Lord to point out, this needs to go, that needs to go, and then we need to let it go and get rid of it. We need to jettison it. And that's what Josiah was doing. During the reign of Manasseh and his son, the temple had been defaced. It had been defiled. It had been in disrepair. It became a place of idol worship instead of a house of the Lord God Jehovah. They brought all these idols into that beautiful, sacred place. And they defaced it. They defiled it. 
They made altars for these idols that took the place of the true altar of God. And they removed all the all you, things that, that were placed there to honor God and replaced them with all these idols, wood images, and all these things. The temple had to be cleansed. The temple had to be cleansed. And I find it interesting that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, what was the first thing he did? He cleansed the temple. He cleansed the temple. He went in and he took a memory, fashioned a whip, and, and cleansed the temple. He cleaned it out. You've made my father's house is supposed to be a, a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. He cleansed the temple. We too need to cleanse our temple. Josiah had restored the temple to its former condition. It needed to be done for the revival to be successful. He had to consecrate it before the Lord God Jehovah. Something interesting happened while they were restoring the temple. Something pretty neat. They were rummaging through some old things and they came across a scroll. They came across a book and they didn't know what it was. And the guy who found it read it. And he went, whoa, wait a minute. This is the book of the law of Moses. This was the word of God. And he took it to the king and he gave it to the king. And when Josiah read the book, he was cut to the heart. He was cut to the heart when he read the word of God. And he tore his clothes in disgust, not because of what he read, but because of his disgusting person. He knew that he was in sin. He knew that he was deep in sin as he read the words of the law. He tore his garments in disgust when he realized just how far not only had he fallen, but how far the nation had fallen. And he was disgusted. His heart was grieved and he fell on his face and repented. And the scripture tells us his heart was tender towards the things of God and he humbled himself before his maker. And I love that because a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. He humbled himself before God. He humbled himself and said, Lord, help me. I love this. One commentator said, quote, Josiah was distraught upon reading the newly found scroll because of the consequences that would come due to the present religious practices of idolatry. He read in the book of the law. He read it through. It must have taken him a long time because what did he read? He read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, the book of the law, the book of Moses. He read those books. It must have taken him a long time. But when he read that, he went, oh, my goodness. Look what's going to happen because in Deuteronomy, it talks about blessings and cursings. It says if you don't keep this law, if you don't keep it, you're in for trouble. And he's looking back and going, oh my goodness, look at my, my kingdom. Look what, what they've done. And then he remembers, wait a minute, look what happened to Israel. Israel was carried away by the Assyrians. What are we going to do? What's happening? He knew that the kingdom was doomed because of their sin. And he realized the great wrath of God was coming upon them. So he wanted to know what, what, what he should do. And I love that. I love that. I really do. He didn't panic. He didn't run away. He didn't put his head in the sand and say, it ain't going to happen. He didn't put his hands on his ear and go, blah, 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 blah. No. No. He said, what can I do? Well, he sent somebody to the Lord. He said, go inquire of a prophet and let me know what I'm going to do. This is fantastic counsel, folks. When we're struggling, when we read the word of God and there's something happening in our hearts, we need to go to the Lord. What do you want me to do? What should I do? 
how do I get rid of this? Well, they found a prophetess. They found a prophetess. And she gave Josiah the bad news. Judah was doomed. Was going to be carried away into captivity because they had forsaken the Lord God. Then she gave him the good news. But it's not going to happen in your day. It's not going to happen in your day. Let's read the last couple chapters of verse, uh, chapter 22, a couple verses here. Beginning in verse 15. Then she, the prophetess, said, Thus says the Lord God to Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, and they might provoke me to anger with all the words of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words of which you heard, because your heart was tender. And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants and that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Therefore, surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all this calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought the news back to the king. I love it. They took the news back. It was sad news. They took the news back. Here, king, this is the news. Now, I wonder if these guys, when they came back to the king, were kind of shaking. You tell the, no, you tell the king that. I'm not going to go into, you tell him, you know, the king has, the, 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 you know, king has the power to take your head off. You know what I mean? If you give him bad news. And this happened in other places. Praise God. Praise God. Not with, not with Josiah. So, Coming in to chapter 23, and after receiving the bad news from the prophet, the good and bad news, Josiah calls all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem together. He calls all the people together. Can you imagine the throngs of people that he gets together? Let's start 23 verses 1 through 3. Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which has been found to the house of the Lord. The king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to allow the Lord, excuse me, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people took a stand for the covenant. I love it. I love it. Josiah knows what the Lord's going to do. He knows that the calamity's going to come about Jerusalem. Well, like I said, he doesn't panic. He doesn't tell people to run for the hills. He doesn't have them go away. He doesn't have them do this. He doesn't have them stock up on toilet paper. He doesn't have them do this or do that. What does he do? He has a Bible study. He gathers the people together and he has a Bible study. And I love it. He realized the value of the word of God. And he wanted to share it with all the people. After all, it was God's word. It was their God, the Lord God Jehovah, speaking these breath 
speaking words and he wanted to give it to the people and show them that. What a great thing. I love this thing. So he goes and stands by a pillar. And my question is, was it Boaz or Joaquin? Which pillar did he stand beside? Which one of you guys did he stand beside? Come on, let me know. So he's, he's standing there and all the, can you imagine the throng of people that are sta- in front of him? It's all the inhabitants of Judah, the elders, the priests, great and small, they're all there. And he reads the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people. I just did that. He read the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people. The king did it himself. He didn't have somebody do it for him. He read it himself. He was so concerned that the nation would hear the word of God that he read it to them himself. That's how much he valued the word of God. All the words. What does this tell me? It tells me he gave them the full counsel of God that they had at that time. He gave them the full counsel. Nuts and bolts. Every if and but, whatever and whatever. Everything in between. He gave them the full counsel of God. This is why here at Calvary Chapel we go line by line, verse upon verse. This is why we go from Genesis to Revelation. This is why we go through the word. So that you will receive the full counsel of God. That's why we don't talk about things until they come up in Scripture. When they come up in Scripture, we talk about them. So that you will have the full counsel. He even told them about God's punishment coming to them. How do I know that? Because that's what Deuteronomy talks about. Deuteronomy talks about the cursings if you don't follow God. Talks about the blessings if you do follow God. But it talks about the cursings. It said the violators of the covenant will have heck to pay. (laughs) What did it say when he read the book? He lamented. He lamented. He, He just was so sorrowful. This is the way we need to take the Word of God into our lives, guys. This is what we need when we read the Word of God. It's my hope and my prayer that when we read the Word of God or when you read the Word of God by yourself and we're teaching it, I hope something's happening in your heart. I hope something is happening within you. I hope it's happening in there and and something's going on. It's not just something hitting, hitting your head and falling off. I hope something's happening. And then he takes the people and he guides them to make a covenant. What's a covenant? It's a deal. They made a promise to God. They, they, they made a promise that they were going to do everything according to those things. Everything according to the statutes, the commandments, the laws. They were going to do it. He stands by a pillar and he makes his beautiful, beautiful promise to the Lord. What was he doing? By making a covenant, he was making the people respond outwardly to what was happening inside. He wanted them to respond outwardly to what was happening inside. And that's what we pray you guys would do. We pray that when you read the word of God, something happens in your heart and you will actively, outwardly act by sharing the message with somebody else, by loving somebody else, by helping somebody else, or whatever it is the Lord chose you to do. And that's what it's about. That's why we do it. We don't do it That's because that's what churches do. We do it because it's the word of God. It's his word, inerrant, infallible. It's his word. And in my life, what he says goes. Oh, that the nation would just, just, just come back and do these kind of things. King Josiah stands before the people and he publicly declares his commitment to obey these things. And I love this. And that's what a leader does. A leader obeys and they follow a leader. No no puns there. They follow this man. They follow someone who says, when I read this, does this remind anybody of anybody in Scripture? Reminded me of Joshua in Joshua 24. In Joshua 24, 
Joshua is standing before the people of Israel before they cross the Jordan. And he says, listen, you can serve those other gods on the other side of the river like your forefathers did. You can serve those things. And then he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what he said. That, that's what Josiah is saying. Hey, guys, you need to come with me. I'm going to serve the Lord. And there was the model for them. I'm going to serve the Lord. It's what takes a place in your heart that counts. It's what takes place in your heart that counts. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm, I'm speaking out of my heart what is in my heart, what God has put in there. Revival begins in the heart of the king. Revival, we said last week, begins in your hearts, begins in my heart, begins in the heart of people who read God's word. If this nation, if this nation who is called by my name would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, etc., etc., if we would just read the word of God. But no, we kicked it out of the schools. We kicked it out of the buildings. We don't want to read the word of God. We would rather kill innocent babies. We would rather do that. No. It's what takes place in your heart, not what in somebody else's heart. I can't worry about anybody else's heart. Although I'm a pastor, I want to worry about your hearts. But i got to take care of this house. As for me in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And hopefully that's going to be an example to you. And hopefully you will be led to do that as you see others' examples. I see that in your lives. I see that in your lives. And it encourages me. But revival had already began in the heart of the king. He was already on fire for the Lord. And you know what? That fire is contagious, man. You ever get around somebody who's really on fire for the Lord? Stop. Slow down. Stop it. Okay. People are on fire for God, man. I love that. People are on fire for the Lord. That's what happens. Revival begins in your heart and then just blossoms out. I love it. I love it. Now the king says, I want everybody to have this. And this is how I feel right now. I've read this and I've studied it. And I'm, I get excited. I get pumped up. I want you to get that. I want you to feel it because God's word is coming forth and we read it. Something should be happening in our heart. And this is what the word of God does. It stirs up something inside and then it comes out. It comes out and it's visible. We, we sang a song. Don't we sing from the inside out? Yeah, we sing that song. From the inside out, that's when it happens. And then others want what you have. When they see that, they want it. After these people heard the word of the Lord and they knew the consequences for their sin, they said, you know what? It's time to remove the sin. This is what the word of God does. This is what the word of God does. It tells you what to do with your sin. It tells you how to handle your sin. And as you read the word of God, you find out that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he went to a cross and died for you. Then if you come to the cross and humble yourselves before him, admit that you're a sinner and ask for forgiveness, you will be saved. You believe that he did that and you will be saved. The word of God tells us that. The word of God tells us that. The word of God tells us that the law will lead you to know what sin is. The law will take you up to the point where... I recognize what sin is. The scripture says, I didn't know that stealing was wrong until the law said, thou shalt not steal. So the law takes you up there and you go, okay, this is great. And now you can repent. You are We'd love to keep studying the word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from 2 Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope. Show.